So welcome, this is Dr. B, and you are listening to Why Does This Keep Happening to Me? Today, I have Kelly Gunderman, who is the owner and publisher of VIP Alexandria. It's a great magazine that was started in 2019. It is Alexandria's premier social magazine. There are 10,000 copies that go out per month, and her audience reaches about 45,000 readers per month. So I'm so excited to have you on, Kelly. Hello, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I wanted to have you on because I met you, I guess, a couple of years ago when you all were starting. Yeah. And you started telling me your story about how you decided to start the magazine. And I was so impressed because I was like, God, that's like something that I think a lot of people fantasize about, you know, about like, oh, I want to start a magazine. I want to write a book. I want to make a movie. And you actually did it. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> so I wanted yeah. to hear like how you got to that place and, um, you know, and what pushed you to, to do that. Yeah. So, um, I, I get asked this question a lot and it's mm-hmm. always funny. I always take a deep breath before I answer it. And it's because it's such a loaded question and it has such a loaded answer. Um, right. I was never like a little girl at home going, Oh, you know, I want to be a publisher when I grow up. And mm-hmm. there was never some lightning bolt moment in my life that kind of put me on this path. Um, I'm your classic to understand me, you kind of have to go back to the beginning, but uh-huh. a classic military love story. Um, girl meets boy in high school, boy joins the military, girl gets accepted to college, boy comes home, girl doesn't go to college. Instead, she goes halfway across the country and gets married. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, right then and there, you would think that like my professional career would be over. Um and if you have any knowledge of the military lifestyle, you know, we, we had to move around a lot. Uh, we've been married for 17 years now and I've lived in five different States. So mm-hmm. building any type of meaningful career, it's, it's tough, especially when you don't have a college degree. Um, and you know, there's a lot of programs to help military spouses establish, um, you know, different continuing education and, and helping them kind of get on their way. But it kind of depends on where you live, because I went from living in Kansas, which was this tiny college town where the only jobs you could find were in the hospitality industry to going to North Carolina, where it's like one of the medical capitals of the world. Mm -hmm. So you tend to work a lot of odd jobs and you also are left to kind of fend for yourself a lot. And, you know, after four years of marriage, I had my son. So you don't have a lot of support. You're not in your family. Taking college classes becomes really difficult because who's going to watch my baby, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, getting to where I've been has been like clawing like through mud. It's, it's not been fun and it, and it took a while. Um, but you know, there was a lot of great online programs and things like that. And while living in North Carolina, I was working, um, I was working as a fitness instructor at a gold's gym Mm -hmm. and I met another fitness instructor and she was the co-founder of a nonprofit organization, Mm -hmm. um, called the military spouse corporate career network. Mm -hmm. And I started talking to her about how I was just in love with graphic design and it's like my dream to go back to school for graphic design. And, and, you know, it's something that I kind of figured out along the way. Um, I'm an avid believer that 
deciding what you want to be for the rest of your life at 18 is not a good idea. Yeah, Uh, I agree. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So, you know, when I was 18, I wanted to be a teacher and it took me years to be like, no, like this is awful. And I don't, I don't want to do this. And so I talked to her about it and she kind of mentored me through, um, going to school online through the art Institute and, and finishing my degree. And she and her nonprofit kind of gave me my first shot at working in that realm. Mm -hmm. And I was the co-editor of the military service employment journal, and I was writing for it and I was designing it. And it just kind of like went from there. The next thing, you know, I was working for a big creative agency in Tennessee. And then I was working with a shark tank company and, you know, Mark Cuban. And, um, and then, you know, I landed with, I was, I was recruited by a magazine and they said, Hey, mm-hmm. we love your work. Will you design for us? And after about three years of working for them, I was pretty much running the show. So when we got our final orders to come to Alexandria, I was working from a distance for a while. And after about two years, I said, wow, like I'm really sick of being at home alone and working for a magazine in a community that is like 500 miles away. Um, And so I started to do a little bit of research. I started to get out and about, kind of meet the people, um, the shakers of Alexandria and realized there was nothing, there was nothing like the product I had in mind here. And we were, my husband and I were on our, um, anniversary trip to Marco Island in Florida. We were laying on a beach and he just kind of looked at me and he's like, when we get home, like you need to put it in your notice with the magazine. You need to, you need to do this yourself. And I was like, okay. And that was it. And we launched and, um, that was kind of, yeah. So that, that's sort of the, the down and dirty of my story. There's a lot of and fun stuff, but yeah, that's kind of the gist of it. Yeah. So it sounds like you, once you started doing the graphics and working for the first magazine you worked for, you found like your, you know, I always say like your passion, your purpose, like authentic living, all of that. And you're like, wow, this is it. And then you realized, wow, I'm pretty much running this on my own. Why am I doing it for someone else? And I hate saying, you know, and and it's funny. I thought that at the time, Mm -hmm. um, I was, I was, you know, the publisher and I were kind of a two woman team in terms of the creation of the content and the design of the magazine. And of course there were photographers and writers and different things like that, but she and I were kind of behind the scenes making it all happen. And I used to get so frustrated with her because I'd go, you don't understand. You don't understand what it's like to do what I have to do. And I wasn't seeing what she was doing. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I, I left and decided to start my own magazine that I was like, wow. Yeah. Okay. This is what she was talking about. And it was a huge, it was a huge moment for me and thinking it, it was, it was one of those moments in life where you kind of grow from a mistake right? and not trying to understand what other people are going through or what's on their plate because you're not walking in their shoes. And mm-hmm. You, you don't, you really don't get it. You, you think, you know, but you don't. And, you know, luckily for me, I've had enough mentors along the way and I've had, I had enough background experience that I've been able to be successful. Um, but it wasn't without struggle for sure. Yeah, for sure. I know it's like one of those things you don't know what it's like till you're in it. Right. Um, I always remember when I wanted to move out and my dad was like, why do you want to move out? And I was like, well, because I want to know what it's like to live on my own. He's like, you can pretend like you live on your own here. Just do your own laundry and cook for yourself. And I'm like, yeah, right. But that's not the same. <laughs> I know. Not. 
Well, it's the same, you know, I, my son is 12 now and I always hear myself saying things that my parents used to say to me growing up. And it's Mm -hmm. so funny because I'll say it to him and then I'll go, you know what? You're not going to listen to me (laughs) because I didn't listen to my parents and they didn't listen to their parents. You got to just be in it. It's something you have to figure out for yourself. Yeah. So, but so the, the thing that um, inspires me with everyone like that I have on the podcast is their story of okay, that moment from where you decide this is what you love and this is what you want to do. You're laying on the beach and you're like, Uh I'm quitting my job and I'm doing it. And that magic moment is like a combination of grit and like, what's the word? I don't want to say insanity because it is a little bit crazy, right? A little crazy. Absolutely. And a little crazy. And it wasn't, and it wasn't all me though, which is what's so funny about it. I think that Mm -hmm. I've always been really... I've always been really, I've struggled with my, my confidence a lot over the course of my career. And Mm -hmm. I'm always wondering, like, am I good enough? Am I, am I, am I reaching my potential? And I, and I have this just amazing husband who is always like right there behind me. Like, yeah, you're amazing. Like, shut up. You know, he's like the ultimate cheerleader. And I don't think I would have ever made that a leap if he hadn't nudged me. And Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, you know, aside from the fact that, you know, he's about to take on our family's finances on his own because it's going to take time for a magazine to make money and he's going to have to, you know, help out more at that around the house and help out more with our son because I'm going to be doing this insane project. And it was like, it didn't even matter to him. He was like, no, this is, this is what you need and you're going to be great at it. And I think you should do it. And yeah. I guess I'd had one too many Mai Tais laying there on the beach. And I, so. so it was, so one part of the, ing- the ingredient, the recipe is that you have to have a lot of support around you, like the yeah. right support around you. Would you say that's what, what, and what else? What about internally? What pushed you to say, I can do this? Oh, I don't even know. It might've been the Mai Tais. No. <laughs> I, well, it was funny. So when, when he and I started talking about it, I started bouncing it off of people like, you know, the mentor I'd mentioned earlier, um, you know, I, I mentioned it to her and I mentioned it to family and, and friends and things like that. And it was funny because I got the same response from everybody. It's about damn time. And like, you know, cause I I've been sort of miserable and it wasn't that I, I hated working for my last job or that at what I didn't feel fulfilled. Um, or that there was even like any problems. It was just that there was something missing. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't able to put my finger on what that was until I launched my own magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't, you know, I, working in publishing, like I said, like I told you earlier, I know people can't see us on camera, but um, I, I'm a hot mess today because we just sent our new issue to print. I worked two days with no sleep saying that you own a magazine and being a publisher sounds really glamorous. It is a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. And so, but that, that wasn't even what scared me. You know, I, I enjoyed it. I like, I like working late nights and, and, you know, listening to music and designing and I'm good with that. It was, it was all about, um, having a bunch of people kind of come at me and go, you're capable of doing more. Why are you settling? Mm-hmm. And once I had enough people say that to me and go, yes, your husband's right. You need to own your own magazine. Like this is what you should be doing. It was like, I didn't want to age and have regrets. So I thought let's take a shot. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but at least I'll know I tried. 
Yeah. Uh, it's like believing it's like taking that moment and receiving all the positive feedback and then taking that leap of faith. I think that's like the one thing I'm hearing from people over and over again is that there's that moment where it literally is that leap, you know, where you watch the trapeze and they're just, they just jump and you have to just trust that they're going to catch you. Right. It's going to, you're just going to make meet, your hands are going to meet <laughs> where they're yeah. supposed to. You're on both ends of the trapeze. So it's like, you have, you kind of have to catch yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice to have support, but when you do become an entrepreneur and you do take that leap of faith, it, it's, it's unlike anything because you, all the security that you have felt in any job you've ever had is just gone. And yeah. It, all on you. There's not a, there's not an HR department you can call if someone's mean to you. There's not an operations person you can call if your paycheck doesn't get direct deposited. It is all on you. Mm-hmm. And that was the scariest part, especially when I started bringing on staff members. Mm-hmm. Then it was like, okay, this isn't just my livelihood anymore. This is the livelihood of these other people. Yeah. And I don't make this work. They can't pay their bills. And that, and that was the, I think that was the biggest motivation um, mm, that people depend on you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So. The other thing you mentioned, I think that what I hear everyone goes through that is successful, unless you have, unless a person has like a narcissistic personality disorder, I think everybody experiences some level of imposter syndrome. You know, where when you're about to take that leap, there's a part of you. I, I don't care if it's, like, you know, if you're like this, the best, whatever at what you do, doctor, lawyer, writer, you know, anything you are, um, there's that moment where you're like, oh, am I faking this? Am I faking? Yeah. We all feel that. Um, yeah, absolutely. That, yeah. And and that's something that I experienced pretty early on. You know, our first mm-hmm. book came out and I was so excited and we were out and we were delivering copies and it was this beautiful 84 page book, you know, glossy cover, perfect bound. I mean, it was, it was like fantastic. I thought, mm-hmm. oh my God, I did this. And then that night I just had this like sick feeling in my stomach about, oh my God, now everyone is going to know. I have no idea what I'm doing. That I'm faking out there. It's out there. And I sat, I remember sitting on my living room floor with a Sharpie and I went through every page of that book and circled everything I didn't like, everything Mm. I missed. I mean, the crazy thing about print is once it's out there, it's out there. There's no clicking edit and changing something because there was a misspelled word. Um, Luckily, we didn't have a lot of mistakes, but I was being really hard on myself. And I kept that magazine to this day. I still have it. It's, I keep it in my desk drawer at the very bottom, but I mean, I marked this thing up like crazy and the whole time thinking, oh my God, what if someone sees this? What if someone sees that? What if the magazine I used to work for is looking at this right now? I'm laughing at me. What if, you know what I mean? And yeah, scary. it's scary, but I think that getting over that imposter syndrome just comes with time. Mm-hmm. Um, you either you either realize you can do it or you just stop caring. Yeah. Like, I don't care what people think anymore. Like, I'm just going to yes. do what makes me happy, you know? So. Right. That, and that was, that was my last podcast that just released is like releasing yourself from those um, boxes people put you in yep. and those expectations other ha- people have of you. It's so freeing, right? Because then you realize, okay, even if, even if I am, 
feeling like I'm faking it. Well, like, isn't everyone up to a point, you know, until they actually feel like they're not. And so that's, I think what I'm hoping as people listen to this, that they realize when they want to try something that even if they feel like they're an imposter, that they should just take the leap. Yeah. But with, with support. Yes. And, Mm -hmm. and, and I think too, an important part of that is embracing the people that think you're an imposter for what it is. And, Mm. you know, I, you know, an old boss of mine kind of comes to mind. I I wrote, I wrote a story that was published, um, gosh, eight years ago now. And it was called dear terrible boss. And it was before the terrible boss movie came out. So I was a little bit upset when they named that movie, terrible bosses, Uh (laughs) but I'd, I'd written this story called dear terrible boss. And it was, it was, it was a letter to a woman who had basically put me down and put me down and put me down for so long that she, she really did drive me to, to depression. And it's while I was trying to climb my way up and, and I, I hadn't finished my graphic design degree yet, but I was working on it while I was working this other job. And this woman took every opportunity she had to make me feel like I was nothing. And she made me cry. And then she would yell at me because I'm crying. It was, it was the most hostile work environment you could ever possibly imagine. Uh, but mm-hmm. then she would hide behind the fact that she was a Christian woman and preach to you about what, you know, what Jesus would want you to do. It was, it was a really confusing and terrible place in my mm-hmm. life. And I left that job um, after being just driven to the end of my rope. Mm-hmm. And when I left, I left, I started working out at a gym. I became an instructor. I met my mentor and everything skyrocketed from there. And so it really is one of those stories about how one place leads you to another. And I used to hate her. I mean, hated her with, with yeah. all my heart. And one day I sat down and I wrote her a letter and I thanked her for everything she did for me, because this is where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. And I realized looking back, that was probably a really crappy thing to do. I never sent it to her. It was just kind of published anonymously, but you know, I, I kind of wanted her to know that despite what you did to me and despite how you treated me and how you may treat others, we're going to rise above it. And, and this is, this is where I've ended up because of your mistreatment. And so you know, when you're dealing with people that think you're an imposter or think you can't do what you're saying you want to do or, or aren't giving you that kind of support, they're just one more stepping stone. They're one more thing to kind of motivate you and lead you to where you're Yeah. And that's kind of, that's my philosophical. Yeah, that's (laughs) awesome. That's exactly when uh, uh, Lauren and I were talking on the first time we talked on this podcast, we were talking about how fear and someone putting you down can either push you to excel or it can keep you stuck, yeah. right? Like it's up to you how you use that. So in that moment, you could have just stayed in that toxic space and been like, oh my God, I'm so awful or push, use that energy to just push, propel you out of there and say, this no longer belongs in my, in my awareness, in my space. And then say, I can do this on my own. And then that was the catalyst. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, getting unstuck. Yeah. I mean, getting I, unstuck. 
Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I am in, looking back. I am embarrassed of how weak I was and how long I let that person kind of have control over me. I would go home crying. I mean, she wasn't only affecting my life at work. She was affecting my life at home with my, with my child, with my husband. And, you know, I, I wish I w- had been stronger then that I could have stood up to her more, or I could have walked away faster than I did. Um, but again, you know, it's the butterfly effect, you know, any, mm-hmm. any decision made differently, any choice made differently could have, you know, led me somewhere else. And I'm happy where I'm at, you know, I'm, I'm finding, finding success in what I'm doing. My, um, my relationship with my family is stronger than ever. And, um, I'm, I'm getting to help people in the community here in Alexandria. And so Mm -hmm. um, can't ask for much more. So, yeah. Yeah. So those experiences is like, sometimes you wouldn't be where, like you're saying, you wouldn't be where you were if it wasn't as bad as it got. (laughs) Right. Right? (laughs) It had to get, I had to hit rock bottom to realize that I needed to take out my claws and start climbing out of the hole. Mm. And, you know, and once, and once you get out of that hole, you're like, I'm not, I'm not going back. And, yeah. You know, now you know better. Yeah. yeah. So you just continue to grow from it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I always end it with asking the person I'm interviewing, you know, what words of advice would you offer to someone listening? And there's, with the imposter syndrome, I want to do it, but I'm scared. I can't, you know, I know, I know. I, you know, for sure. I think that, but, but I also think you have to be smart, right? Um, we're living in this, we're living in this generation where like, it's cool. And I can't believe I just said it's cool. God, <laughs> um, it's like it's exciting and it's cool. And it's like the trending thing to do to become a business owner. Mm. Um, everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. That's the trendy thing to do. And not everyone is built for it. And so there are people that deal with imposter syndrome. Some of them are just dealing with confidence issues and, and, mm-hmm. and kind of getting off on the right foot with their business. Other people should be having imposter syndrome because maybe they shouldn't be mm-hmm. an entrepreneur. And I, and I've seen that happen a lot of times. I've had people come to me, you know, for, for advice or, or, you know, and I look at them and I go, but you're not, you're not happy doing this. And you're, this doesn't make you happy. You, you're not enjoying it. Um, why, why did you want to be an entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's funny because nobody can ever, unless you are a true entrepreneur, you can't answer that question. And it's something, I don't think it's something that you learn along the way. I think it's something you're born with. It's, it's, mm-hmm. an, it's, a, it's, a, it's an intuition that you kind of have from the beginning. And um, so I would say that if you have imposter syndrome, take it, take it seriously and really, um, really explore why you're feeling that way and kind of ask yourself some questions about, am I doing something that's making me happy? And if not, what pieces do I need to let go? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, when you, when I would say when you sit quietly, like in meditation and you look inward and you just examine yourself and what you truly, like, what is your truth? What is living authentically? What is living, um, you know, in what you are meant to do, not what you think you're meant to do, or you believe you should be meant to do, or someone told you you should do, you know, like really sitting with that. So you're saying if you have the imposter syndrome, just sit with it and see if it's actually that, or if it's that you're not going in the direction that you are meant to be going in that, you know, I tell people like to feel their way more through their path as opposed to think their way 
you yeah. know, like, and like how to balance those two so that it's, one is not more dominant than the other. Yeah. It's scary because being good at something and enjoying something, there's a fine line between those two. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people be good at something and then follow into a career they end up hating. Right. And so it's, it is something you kind of have to sit with and not just sit with, but talk to people that you trust Mm -hmm. about it. Um, you know, if you have a spouse, if you have a significant other, if you have a sister or, you know, a best friend that has been around and has seen you through everything, Mm -hmm. those are the people, you know, you don't want to talk to someone you just met and you go out and have cocktails with on Thursday nights because they're fun. Yeah. Talk to someone that knows you to your core Mm -hmm. because they're the ones that are going to be honest with you. Um, and that's kind of. That's, you know, and that's what I had to do. I had, I had to sit with it. And then I had to, um, you know, really confide in my husband about what my, my problems were with my current job and my current situation. And he was sort of the one that was able to identify even before I was that, Hey, Mm -hmm. you're, you're almost on the right path. You're just a lid. You're just a few feet off, you know, just over here. So, um, and, and he, and he was absolutely right. So you know, and in the meantime, um, you know, I've seen the magazine through COVID, um, not easy uh-huh. <laughs> at all. And um, we just published our 13th issue here in Alexandria. Um, uh, we're continuing to grow and reach new people. And we are doing a lot of, um, great things for the small business community that is struggling and small business owners that are struggling. And, um, you know, and that was kind of the whole point, you know, it wasn't just to create, you know, a, a successful business, but mm-hmm. it was, uh, leave, leave some type of footprint behind that was impactful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that's great. So where can people find your magazine? I know it's online and print, right? Yeah. So, yes. So you can find our digital issue at VIP Alexandria You mm-hmm. can find print copies all over town. We have over 250 distribution locations and those are on our website as well. So if you visit the website and click on find a copy, you're going to find that list. And we also publish all of our stories that are in the magazine to our blog. So there's a lot of different ways to be able to read the content. Um, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We, we love social media. Um, but yeah, this, this month's issue is all about um, Alexandria's most inspiring women. So we have 14 amazing women that told their stories and we kind of tied it into a fundraiser for the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women campaign. Oh, so that's great. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we uh, we rented out Landmark Mall, uh, mm-hmm. which was used to film Wonder Woman, the new mm-hmm. movie. So um, we, we had an abandoned mall to ourselves for the whole day. It was a lot of fun, but that's great. Yeah. So um, lots of great information about heart health and our community. And I hope everybody picks up a copy. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you. I love chatting with you. It was so much fun. Yeah. We'll do it again. You know, Absolutely. Here again. we'll do an update. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hopefully I'll, I'm not coming off of two days of no sleep, but <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. And I will see you next time on why does this keep happening to me? 